Welcome to this episode of Lessons from the Cockpit. I am your host, Mark Hacera. For over 24 years, I flew KC-135s in the United States Air Force, helped create a division of the Air Force's Weapons School, and was a curriculum director at the Joint Forces Staff College, part of National Defense University. Ever since I was a kid, I have been in love with airplanes. When my grandpa Andy used to take me to Los Angeles International Airport, and I watched the first jetliners and turboprops fly 150 feet over my head, landing on the runways. And I said, why do anything else for a living when I can do this? And for over 60 years, I've been around aviation and airplanes. If you ask any pilot to define flying, they're probably gonna tell you long periods of boredom interrupted by short intermittent periods of extreme terror. On the Lessons from the Cockpit show, we debrief some of the most fascinating and intriguing pilots, aircrew members, maintainers, and aviation enthusiasts from all over the world. Our show investigates the tactics, techniques, and procedures that these people created during these extreme and extraordinary military, commercial, and private flying operations. This exploration gives our listeners practical advice on how the aviation world works and expands critical thinking skills and expertise in the air and on the ground. Many of the things that you're gonna hear on this show have never been told before. Special thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Wall Pilot, custom aviation art for the walls of your home or office. On today's show, I'm gonna talk a little bit about humor and humiliation and why the good Lord gave you two ears and one mouth. We spend all this time talking and so little time listening. Listening to the people around us, listening to our customers that are giving us vital information on the things that they wanna do, things that are going on in their life where we might be able to help them because we're too busy talking. And a lot of great information comes that we don't hear. So strap in. Let's get started with the Lessons from the Cockpit show. I had a trip out to San Diego to coordinate with the Navy on a joint technology demonstration on how we could sink ships. But I also had an ulterior motive for going out there. I wanted to take my boss out there, Jim, an Air Force Lieutenant Colonel who'd never been on a ship before. Now, I had been on several aircraft carriers, even a submarine. And I told him, I said, come with me. It'll be a great experience. Let's go on the USS Midway, the floating aircraft carrier museum, and spend an afternoon there. Jim said, sure, let's go do it. We finished with the Navy early one day and had a lot of time. And the USS Midway Museum was just down the street from our Holiday Inn within walking distance. We spent a lot of time up on the flight deck touring the different airplanes and reading about them. And I was telling him all kinds of stories. And we went down below decks into the hangar deck. In the hangar deck of the USS Midway Museum, there's a lot more displays, a lot more history. But what I didn't know was there's four cockpits that you can sit in and fly like a simulator. Jim and I casually walked up to what was the instructor station, and a gentleman was sitting there taking your money. It was $30 for 30 minutes. And I looked at it and I thought, eh, whatever, you know, I don't wanna do this. But we heard through the loudspeaker two people that had already gotten in 
two of the cockpits talking back and forth. And my boss said, I will pay the money for you to go fly this thing. And we heard these two guys bantering back and forth. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to squash you like a bug. And I said, no, I, you know, it's okay. I don't want to do it. The gentleman that was the operator turned around and looked at me and said, what makes you think that you can do any better than these guys? I said, Jim, pay him the money. Jim chuckled, handed him 30 bucks, and I went and got in cockpit number three. Sitting down in the cockpit, I realized it's an F4 cockpit. And I'm pretty familiar with what's in an F4 cockpit. The two other guys in cockpit one and cockpit four continued to talk back and forth, talking smack to each other. I noticed there was a woman sitting behind an older gentleman in cockpit one and a young kid in cockpit four next to me. And as I'm kind of familiarizing myself with what's in the F4 cockpit, I hear something in their conversation. I looked over my left shoulder at Jim and just smiled. The simulator instructor began talking us through where all the switches are in the cockpit. I already knew where they were. I knew where the gear handle was, the hook handle, how to change the weapons out, how to make the lighting go up and down and all those kinds of things. And I already had my cockpit adjusted the way I wanted it. The simulator instructor started talking a little bit about dogfighting and how to do it. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to show these guys something. Well, came time to start fighting. The simulator instructor goes, cockpit one, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Cockpit three, I'm ready. Cockpit four. I'm ready. And he goes, three, two, one, fights on. And I look out beside me on this big screen in front of me, and I see those two airplanes, cockpit one, the old man, cockpit four, the young kid, turn to each other. But I knew what to do, particularly in an F-4. I put the throttles all the way up and went straight up. Zoom climbed over the top of them to about 30,000 feet, rolled inverted and looked down on the screen in front of me and saw both of them going by each other and then turning back to each other. I had a lot of airspeed. I came down on them. The kid was chasing his boss, the old man, lined him up, put my thumb down on the red weapons release button. A bunch of rockets flew off my airplane out there. Boom! The kid's dead. Come up behind the old man, put the aiming dot out in front of his airplane about 100 yards, squeeze the trigger, bullets come out the nose of the airplane. Boom! He's dead. <laughs> and only about 60 seconds have gone by. And now I'm wondering, okay, where are they going to show up? I had a display, the radar display in front of me, but I had also what's called radar homing and warning gear up here on the right-hand side of the instrument panel. And I noticed that two red dots appeared in the lower left corner of that threat display. So that means both of those guys are behind me at seven o'clock. So I immediately put the power back up, pitch back up into the vertical, rolling upside down, rolling right side up, looking for them. 
I see them out in front of me. I see them on the threat screen. I'm now behind them again. They're doing the exact same thing, going back and forth in front of each other. And I roll in on top of them. Boom, boom. I kill them again. This went on for about another five minutes. The young kid is so mad next to me that now he's trying to ram me. And his airplane comes swishing by me at about a thousand mile an hour closure rate. He misses me, but the old man is right in front of me again. I squeeze the trigger, bullets shoot out of my jet. He's dead again. This is when I violated one of the rules of air combat. I'd forgotten about the kid while I was focusing on the old man. Bullets come flying by me. He's now shooting at me. And the young kid kills me. I go to wherever this point is in this computer game where you regenerate your airplane, where you all of a sudden come alive. But I did something that assured me I would kill them again and again and again. I pointed my jet out to the airspace out in front of me, found them on my radar. They were doing the same thing, just going back and forth, trying to shoot each other. They lined up in front of me one more time. Rocket pods on the old man, guns on the young kid. Dead, dead. <laughs> I was being very unsportsmanlike. Now, this went on for a few more minutes. In total, about 20 minutes we were dogfighting. And during that time period, I killed the kid 12 times. I killed the old man eight times. I got killed twice. Once because I wasn't watching what I was doing, the next time because the kid rammed me. And now we were set up to try and land on the aircraft carrier. I watched both of them make this approach to the carrier deck and neither one of them got aboard. But I knew how to do this. I came down the right side of the ship, 800 feet, 500 knots. Pitched out right over the top of the aircraft carrier, going the opposite direction. Gear down, flaps down, hook down. One potato, two potato, three potato, four, five potato, six potato, seven potato more. Rolled off of what we call the perch. Carrier appeared in front of me on the screen. I lined up, came in, and took a two-wire and landed. No problem. These other two guys tried it again, and one actually made it to the carrier deck. The old man made it to the carrier deck, but his hook didn't catch, and he took off. The simulator instructor says, now try it at night. Well, I knew how to do it at night. We were set up on about a three-mile final. I told the simulator instructor, showtime three, ball, 3.5, and came in off of a straight end, landed, and got a four wire, almost missed the wires, got the last one. But I was aboard at night. And folks, believe me, I'm an Air Force guy. It was scary even trying to do this in a simulator. And all of my Navy friends have told me there's nothing scarier than coming aboard an aircraft carrier at night in the weather with the deck rolling around. And this was calm seas, no weather, but it looked like you were landing on a postage stamp. Our 30 minutes was up. The kid next to me gets out and he is furious. 
He gets out, climbs out of the cockpit, walks by me, snarls, and just keeps walking. Because I killed him, like I said, like 12 times. The old man gets out with this woman, and he walks up to me. And I find out it's his wife that was in the back seat. And he says to me, you obviously have done this before. (laughs) And by now, my boss, Jim, has joined me at my side. And I said to the old man, I am a current active duty Air Force pilot. And he just chuckled. And she's just like going, well, mister, you just wasted my husband's 30 bucks. And she just, she didn't smile a lot during the conversation that followed. But the old man was different than the young kid. He wanted to learn. Sometimes our biggest failures are our best learning opportunities. And he said, how did you know how to fight us? And I told him, during your conversation where you guys were talking smack back and forth, I was listening to you. The good Lord gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. And as you two were conversing back and forth, you let me in on a valuable piece of information that let me know exactly how to fight you guys. And he goes, what was that? And I told him, I heard both of you say you were Gulfstream pilots. So I'm imagining you're the captain and the young kid is your first officer. Is that correct? He goes, yeah, that's correct. And I said, that one piece of information told me a lot about you. Well, like what? And I said, I knew you were going to fly the airplane in two dimensions. I knew that you guys were going to fly the airplane two-dimensionally because you were not going to spill the coffee. And you guys went back and forth in front of me. Air combat is fought three-dimensionally, particularly in the F-4 Phantom. He says, so what did you do? And he said, you know, fight's on. I went power up and I went straight up above you guys. Because I'd read a book how in the Vietnam War, all of the F-4 pilots that had gone through Top Gun learned to do this vertical egg around the MiGs because the Phantom had so much power in it. I was above you guys the whole time, which meant I could come down on you with all kinds of airspeed, missiles, guns blazing, and shoot you guys. Because I know you guys weren't going to fight in the vertical. It's not in your nature as Gulfstream pilots to fight in the vertical. And he just laughed. And he says, well, you know, how did you aim the gun? And I said, you have to remember, we're moving three, 400 miles an hour. So you have to put the aiming dot out in front of the airplane. Your enemy runs into the bullets. And depending on fast I was overtaking you, I knew where to put the aiming dot out in front of you. And I was going to get you every time. And the old man asked me, he goes, you know, you'd kill us and then we would go back and come back alive again. And you'd be on us within 20, 20 seconds, 25 seconds. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, one thing about air combat is observation, orientation, decision, action. It's called the OODA loop. Guy by the name of John Boyd came up with this whole idea, energy maneuverability. When the young kid ran me that one time, mister, I went back to that regeneration point. The first time you guys died, I knew it was back behind me about my left seven o'clock. 
So I knew where you're going to come from. When I got killed after being rammed by the kid, I spent a few moments flying around it, observing what was underneath me, orienting myself to where that spot was so that when I killed you guys again, I knew where I was going to go. I knew that the water tower was on the coast near the harbor, and I knew that the city was to my left, and that I could get behind it and have you guys literally appear in front of me and shoot you down again. Air combat is about observing what your enemy is doing, orienting your airplane based on what he's doing and deciding how you're gonna act with what weapons you're going to use, what tactics you're gonna use, turning tactics, vertical tactics, that's the whole idea behind this observation, orientation, decision, and action loop. And you can use that in your daily lives by being able to observe what's going on around you, orient your life, and make decisions and actions on how to change your life and how to change things that are going on around you. That's how I knew I could kill you guys over and over again. Well, that's really kind of unsportsmanlike. And I said, well, you know what? I wouldn't have been unsportsmanlike if it wasn't for the instructor out front. Because he said, well, what makes you think you can be any better than these guys? He didn't know who I was. He didn't know my experience. And the old man just laughed. But he was learning. And I could tell by the questions he was asking me, he was starting to get some of these concepts. And it's fun when you're in a situation like that, teaching somebody, and you can see the light bulb come on in their minds. He says, well, how did you know how to land on the aircraft carrier? You didn't know. I had a student when I was teaching back in Virginia Beach who was an F-14 radar intercept instructor at the F-14 Tomcat replacement air group. He taught new Rios and pilots how to fly the F-14 in all phases of its flight. Combat, takeoff, landing. My buddy Wimbo knew how to do it. And over three simulator sessions, about three hours apiece, nine hours total, Wimbo was my personal instructor in the F-14D Tomcat simulator. The F-14D had the best radar, the best engines, great missiles, could carry bombs. And the first time we got in the F-14D simulator, Wimbo taught me how to land on the aircraft carrier. And I told the old man, I says, you have to remember, on an aircraft carrier, the landing surface is pointed four degrees left of the ship's center line. The ship's going away from you, but the landing area is four degrees off of that cardinal direction. And so you have to come down and constantly kind of be in a right lean in order to stay lined up and land on the carrier deck. All this was making sense to him, and he was taking it all in. He was learning how to do all this stuff. And again, Wimbo taught me when I was in the F-14 simulator you dogfight in three dimensions, particularly when you've got massive engines like the F-14D has with the GE F-110 engines, 32,000 pounds of thrust and afterburner. I mean, they're amazing engines. So I went into this simulator ride with these two guys. They had no idea who I was. They're talking smack back and forth to each other. They're giving me vital pieces of information about what they fly, which told me how I would fly. 
the Lord gives you two ears and one mouth for a reason. We spend so much time talking when we should be listening. When we go into a sales meeting, it's so important to listen to your customers' requirements. What is it they want? What problem are they trying to solve? I went into a lot of sales meetings where my salesmen for my company just started saying, hey, we've got this and we got this, we got this. Listen to what they want. The other thing that helped me is I had a lot of opportunities to learn and I took them. These two guys had no idea that I had spent time flying in F-15s air to air, flying in F-14 simulators, doing air to air and landing on aircraft carriers. And it made it easy landing in this little simulator on a carrier deck that's not pitching up and down at night. The old man was very appreciative of the time that I spent with him standing there next to these simulators for probably a good 25, 30 minutes explaining to him, here's how you do this. He was listening and he was learning. Now, did I feel bad about humiliating these two guys? Absolutely not. <laughs> because... When that sim instructor said, well, what makes you think that you're going to do any better? That sim instructor had no idea what I could do in my experience. And obviously, I showed them. I apologized to the old man for <laughs> wasting his money and humiliating him. But he was very appreciative of the things that he got to learn. And I was glad that he spent time to listen to me. As a tanker guy with limited air-to-air -air combat experience, but with enough knowledge to know how to fight, how to land on a carrier deck, and being able to teach him how to do it. On the next episode of Lessons from the Cockpit, I'm going to talk about failure. The Navy has the Top Gun program, which is their center of excellence at Fallon, Nevada. The Air Force has the United States Air Force Weapons School. And for two weeks, all 16 divisions of the weapons school come together and fight this mini war over Nevada. I'm going to talk about one night during the offensive counter air strategic attack vulnerability or training period where we simulate the opening of an air campaign and one small failure because of deception caused the good guys, the blue air, the students, to lose six airplanes in about five minutes. Which, if that came in the news, would be a catastrophe. But again, we're in a training environment. Nobody got killed. But boy, a lot of learning happened. And the next time we went out and did this night offensive counter air strategic attack or OCA SA training event, we wiped out the bad guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Lessons from the Cockpit. Please share this with your friends and family. We're very appreciative to Wall Pilot, custom aviation art for the walls of your home or office, for sponsoring this episode of Lessons from the Cockpit. In the show notes, I'll have links to USS Midway airplanes that shot down Vietnamese Air Force airplanes during the Vietnam War that you can buy for the walls of your home, office, or hangar. Folks, thanks for being with me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to talking to you later in the week.